This programme is brought to you by Training Tilt. Training Tilt is a complete toolkit for coaches, health and fitness professionals and nutritionists. Combine your website, e-commerce needs, client communications and training plans into a single affordable platform. For more information, please go to www.lisatamati.co.nz forward slash training tilt. Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the podcast that gets deep into the psyche of extraordinary achievers across all genres, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievement, philosophies, and motivations. Join us in the quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems of wisdom we can learn from them. Well, hi, everybody. It's Lisa Tamady here on Pushing the Limits. Welcome to the show again today. Uh, and I have a wonderful man with me from all the way from Christchurch, Dr. Nick Kimber, who is a nutritionist, um, among other things, and sports scientist. And he is going to share with us uh, his insights today on, on f- around food, around eating correctly, around food and exercise, um, in whatever direction we end up going. So welcome to the show, Nick. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Lisa, to be here with you this afternoon. Uh, really, and, and I, I, I'm a huge fan. And I think as I shared with you previously, <laughs> I'm a bit of a fanboy, to be fair. Um, yeah. uh, you know, after hearing you speak at a at a, a health sciences uh, event, um, I'm I'm just in awe of. Uh, all that you've achieved with your your endurance work, and it's a pleasure to be on the show. Oh, thank you, Nick. You're so you're so kind, and I'm loving having uh, a man of your caliber uh, to to ask questions <laughs> to, and to you know have you on yep. my show. And it's um, you know you've got a, a very specialised knowledge, uh, so we're very very lucky. The listeners are very lucky to be able to to have someone of your calendar. Uh, cal- um, what do you call it? Um, Caliber. <laughs> Caliber. That's what I was going to say. Chamber. That's Caliber. <laughs> I haven't had enough sugar yep. today, see? Um, um, on the show to be able to hear. So tell us, Dr. Nick, a little bit about yourself um, and your uh, qualifications, your PhD, what you did it in, and, and yep. a little bit of background of, of who you are and, and what, what you're doing nowadays. Oh, great. Well, I'll, I'll try and make it a, uh, a long short because there <laughs> is a, a bit of a journey <laughs> Um, look, look, firstly, uh, I, I love food. I think that's the first point. Yeah. Um, love eating and uh, realised when I – actually, when I, when I first got to uh, the University of Otago, I was down there to study phys ed, and I, I discovered that you could also uh, actually – and study and get a degree in human nutrition. And I thought, wow, that sounds good. <laughs> and, and then I, I read a book. Uh, by Louise Burke, um, and, and Louise is the Professor Louise Burke is the head dietitian at the AIS Australian Institute of Sport, and I have a, I have this ability to pick up books at the right time, and it was on called the Complete Guide to Sports Nutrition, and I'll never forget I looked at it and went, wow, that's it, that's who I want to be. Oh wow! Yeah, that was your aha moment. That was a real aha moment, and from that point, I literally then just pursued this journey of of uh, doing what I could to become uh, as, as, as best, as knowledgeable and as, as skilled in that area of sports nutrition specifically. Uh, and that involved being being an athlete myself. And that journey was really interesting from there. Uh, I actually, I, I took a role at, at Lincoln University as a lecturer and then went to Wellington 
and then and by that time had a master's degree mm-hmm. uh, in in um, Ironman triathlon. So that's where wow. we sit, share some interest. Yep. Yeah, and that ultra endurance field. Um, perhaps we can touch on that too. In yeah, today, definitely. Today's show, and then uh, from there, I just had this just desire to to do more. You know, it's like that little voice that's saying, "Well, you know, you haven't quite got there yet." <laughs> <laughs> Type A personality there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. So the calling to the states was was uh, beating loud. So I bumped, jumped on a plane and took off uh, to to the US and ended up on a tiki tour, which is kind of funny. I started at Columbus, Ohio, um, in New. I don't know if you've been. Have you been to the no. Midwest US? No, not really. Not that sort of area. Right. You probably no disrespect to those there. You're not missing a whole lot. In terms of- <laughs> It's it's flat and it's cornfields. Yep. So I spent a lot of time biking, getting lost in cornfields. <laughs> uh, and but then went to uh, the University of Guelph in Ontario, did my second year, my PhD there, and uh, through personal circumstances, uh, through my at the time uh, my my partner now now wife um, with two young boys, uh, I uh, wasn't able to stay there. I moved to Australia to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And finished my PhD with Professor Mark Hargraves. Wow! Um, yeah. So what, what was your actual PhD work in? Well, uh, I'm, I'm sure if you're ready for this one, uh, <laughs> it's in um, post-exercise skeletal muscle fat metabolism in well-trained humans. Wow. Okay, that's mm-hmm. specialised knowledge. Very specialised and a very um, yeah. So yeah. That, that's what happens. How so? How athletes burn fat for fuel? How it yep. affects um, their, yeah, um, how, the how, how they can, um, what, what is it that improves their ability to utilize fat specifically in recovery? Wow. Yep. But, but also, but also what, what are other strategies, both, both exercise and nutritional that can enhance fat oxidation? And, and also um, my work looked, um, looked a lot at carbohydrate oxidation as well. Right. Um, use. Yeah. And so that would be really good to get into by the end of this conversation, that high-end sort of uh, stuff in regards to athletes, because a lot of people that listen obviously are athletes, um, or endurance athletes. Um, but let's start perhaps back a, a little bit further down the, the knowledge chain and mm. look at what are the major things that you see as a nutritionist, you know, practicing nutritionist nowadays um, as being our biggest problems, like why are we so obese as a nation, for example? Yeah, and, and look, this this whole and, and by the way, that this this term and I, I use this when I'm educating. Uh, I work at currently at Other Institute of Canterbury as a senior lecturer, as well as running my own nutrition consultancy. And I when I talk to students. I say actually, I, this is a word I, I don't like to use that obesity yep, yep, term. Yep. Because it's stigmatizing. Yep. But but really. What we've got is a we've got a phenomenon that that is a result of so many factors. Let's just you know state that that it's it's a bit like saying, hey doc, I've got a headache. Yeah, why have I got a headache? There's a million yeah, reasons why. Exactly, there's a million reasons why. Where where do you start? And you know, is it you know we've got genetics, we've got we've got physiology, metabolism, and hormones all bundled up in that. Mm. We've got psychology, we've got the environment. I mean, look at and toxins. And- yeah, how far do we have to go today to get our hands on on sugary, highly processed, refined, mm. low nutrient, high energy density food? Yeah, at every street corner. Every street corner, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. 
all of these factors uh, combine to give us the perfect storm, if you will, for fat gain. But if I if I can touch on, like in terms of that that sort of cocktail, if you will, that contributes to development of of fat, body fat, and mm-hmm. and and in its worst sense, uh, in in our abdominal region and in our in our organs, actually, yep. like li- fat, yep. fatty liver, and, and, and yeah, and, and fatty liver and, and fatty muscle is also highly, um, you know, undesirable yep. and detrimental to health. But what what we're doing is we're we're doing two key things. We're we're combining a, a sugar rich diet and with with high amounts of fat mm. and, 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 and the wrong you, fats. Yes, absolutely. And and when you couple those two together, you you do literally have the perfect storm for fat gain. Yep. And then add to that, we're sitting more than we should be and not exercising enough. Yep. Absolutely. And and movement is a, is, is a key part. Uh, you know, of of, of course of um, of put, pushing the uh, or creating a more favourable energy balance, if you like, but. The two things actually just on that, that the majority of people out there um, really completely misunderstand. And, and you see this like every you know, every day in the gym, if you walk into to a, a, you know, a common fitness facility and yep. you look at the cardio room and you'll see people in there and they're, you know, they're doing their workout and they're going, wow, this is great, I'm having a great time and I'm burning all this energy. What they, what they don't realize is that the human body, and I know you'll appreciate this more than pr- most on the planet, uh, Lisa, that yep, the human yep. body is highly efficient. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> unfortunately, like, actually, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and I remember you talking actually in one of your podcasts I listened to about uh, your run through New Zealand. Yep. And I remember you saying that you ran the length of New yeah. Zealand, but basically hadn't lost any no, weight. No, I was horrified because. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons I got, you know, originally got into running because I wanted to lose weight. Uh, And I wanted to be able to control my weight. And after running, you know, 2,250 Ks in 42 days, a Mm. horrific amount of exercise, in other words, um, (laughs) I didn't lose anything. In fact, you know, I lost about a kilo. And then a week later, I actually put on more in a couple of weeks than I was at the beginning weight. And that's when it went for me, uh, this this calorie in, calorie out rubbish. There's something wrong with that equation because I was burning thousands and thousands of calories a day. Yeah. And not losing any. Um, yeah. and, and I've seen this phenomena um, amongst my other colleagues, ultramarathon colleagues. Mm-hmm. Typically mm-hmm. we see, like in a really big stream race or something, the men lose yes. more than the women. Yes. And, but we all typically put it back on within a couple of weeks. And yeah. so this isn't the ideal weight control mechanism. And that's something that I, I you know, ask when I'm coaching people, for example, and they say they yeah. want to do an ultra. And I go, do you want to do an ultra because you want to do an ultra? Or do you want yeah. to do an ultra because you think you lose weight from it? Yeah. Uh, and if you if it's the weight control that you're searching for, we need to go a completely different route. <laughs> so and you know. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's a great you have that conversation up front uh, because it, you know it really what it highlights is that yeah that, that our body is is so highly efficient. It you know and, and and the irony is that the more that you train, so someone like yourself, you know at your when you were at your peak doing those all those extreme miles, mm, you know mm. your body is is using energy in, in an incredibly efficient way. So it's not doing any, it's not expending anything more than it has to. Yeah. Right. And, and so what's what goes on is is most people, if we go back to the this, the, the the average individual in in the in gyms throughout New Zealand and, and the world, 
they're, they're thinking, well, I'm burning all this energy. Isn't life great? Yeah. Right? So they finish their workout and then go and have that, that little treat food because they're like, well, you know, damn it, I've just worked for an yeah. hour, so I'm going to have that muffin and you know what? I'll have a hot chocolate and I'll have a piece of cake with it as well. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, yep. I've, I've earned it. Well, what they don't realise is that they've just completely now, oh, uh, sorry, underestimated the amount of energy they've consumed. Yeah, yeah. So so they've overestimated the energy expenditure and underestimated the energy consumed and as a result, so they're, they're not getting anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And then it's the type. I mean, I, I listened to one of your podcasts that was talking about the five eating strategies The mm-hmm. um, and, and that just resonated with, with me as a basic, you know, could we go through that structure to give people yep. a basic idea of, okay, right. if I follow these principles a lot of the time or most of the time, at least I know that you know, I should be getting this halfway right at least. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, what I what I love to help people with is provide a a framework, if you will, yeah, a structure. You know, and it's actually I, I had this. I had a client once. He um, at, at the very at the very start of our first session, literally five minutes in, he said he said, "Okay, Nick." He said, uh, "Tell me, uh, what can you do for me?" Nothing. You got to do it for yourself. (laughs) Yeah, it was really interesting, and I kind of sat back and went, "Well, okay, I haven't had someone sort of just put it out there that early on." Yeah. I said, "Well, thank you for the question." I said, "What I can do, actually, I'll answer in one word." I said, "Plan." Yep. I said, "I'll give you a plan and a strategy for carving through the minefield out there to create a pathway that you you can see yourself heading down, and importantly." arrive at a result that you've been wanting to for a while rather than just sort of muddle your way through the the minefield that mm. people out there in that nutrition world so it's oh, very hard yeah yeah it is it is and so that's the framework so what i have is i have strategies and i whip through them real quick yeah um for the listeners so that they they are actually they fall under sort of the the, the two key themes of timing and type and the third theme is is amount which we've got to consider but it's um, um I, I maintain is not as important as the as the the quality and the type of food. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the first one is is eat at regular intervals every day, uh, and I recommend three hours. Yep. Uh, because uh, if, if we leave it for long periods of time, we we may enter into a feeding frenzy. Uh, <laughs> I'm good at doing that. <laughs> we've, all, we've all had that, right? <laughs> yeah. Some say you know they're hangry, right? You just yep. uh, right. So so you want to avoid that. Second one is this is the really interesting one now. Certainly for for anyone for particularly for athletes who have this conundrum of or well, this this dilemma of hey how do I train and get the energy and, and to to do the activity and push my body hard but at the same time lose weight. Yeah, it's and, a real hard one. It's yeah. a real tough one. And the way you do that is you, you adjust your carbohydrate. So the strategy goes that you eat um, most high-carbohydrate foods mainly after exercise. Wow. That, that's mm. actually a real key point. Mm. Why after exercise? What's the body doing that's different than well, when you have a high-carbohydrate when you're at the, sitting yeah. at work? And so it's a good question because – what I discovered after five years of my PhD, that's is a, a fairly decent amount of time, yeah. <laughs> diving into recovery, um, really the, the essence of recovery is that it's not rest and it's not exercise. Mm. So 
Mm-hmm. So and not really many appreciate that. You know, when you finish, you finish your your workout, you think, well, now I'm resting, but actually you're not. Your body is 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 anything but an arrested state. And in fact, when I dived into looking at all the um, uh, gene transcription, essentially, and this is starting to get a wee bit technical, mm. but all the all the all the little uh, um, essentially the, the these messenger um, molecules that code ultimately for proteins. Well, there's a huge array of them that light up massively after a workout, and one of them regulating uh, uh, carbohydrate metabolism, for example. I saw a 25-fold increase wow. in recovery. Yeah. So what's going on in this? In in your, I'm talking muscle here, by the way. This is the tissue that I've examined most closely. Is is that you've got all these these changes that are going on that reflect the stimulus of that workout. And this is the adaptation that's going on in the muscle. So in this period of time, what you feed nutritionally can make a difference to how that adaptation process responds. Mm-hmm. And, and if that if that then occurs on a on a regular basis, either the a positive or a not so positive uh, adaptation, then that can lead to outcomes such as poor recovery or you know lacking you know you're not able to gain muscle you're yep. abs- overtraining and yep 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 you're not you your body just doesn't respond it maladapts and you know perhaps you start to enter into that uh, uh you know undesirable overtraining yep. state yes mm-hmm. so basically that recovery is key and and when you feed nutritionally uh, or sorry with appropriate nutrition uh, again, looking at the right type of, of carbohydrate foods. And I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about jumping into a bunch of sugary products. No. Okay? But just, just things like, as we, as we well know, uh, you know, the, um, our, our good quality high-carb foods would be rolled oats. You know, we could, uh, you know, rice, uh, uh, quinoa is a, a favorite one of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, it's an ancient grain. It's got a higher protein in it as well. Uh, yep. you know, having those those types of foods and the breads, of course, the, the, the whole grain breads. If we time those after our workout, by the way, bread provided if, if, given that you're gluten tolerant. That, yeah, that yeah, I was going to come back to that and we'll come back to that uh, yeah. argument in a minute around yeah. uh, grains and, and grains you know, because and, there's yep. a huge bloody argument we could get into there. But There is, yep. But, yeah, sure. carry on on the structure first because it's I think it's important to get this the sequence out that that yeah. after the exercise in other words you can have you can tolerate more carbohydrates or it's the best time to have those carbohydrates yeah because it will actually help you improve and recover faster and be get fitter yeah uh, absolutely and here's the key piece i think this will the the the, the um the ears of listeners here will probably start to just to tune in a little more because what I've got to say on this one, that in recovery, you can have high carbohydrate foods without affecting your fat gain or without, oh. importantly, without altering your ability to burn fat. So it means I can get away with a little bit more <laughs> when <laughs> I've been working out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So it's almost like you've got to earn your carbs. But yeah, but not to the point of having a muffin with a hot chocolate and a cake on top of it. No. You got it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a still it's the right type of carbohydrates. Yeah. Okay, so that's number two. Number three now is more about that that type and that quality. 
which is which is so so critical so number three says that we need to eat protein dense foods and uh, fruits and or vegetables at every meal mm-hmm. so now we're we're starting to think about uh, nutrients that well there's a whole lot in there but the, the long short is is protein is satiating uh, so and it, and, it, and it helps stabilize blood sugar so you avoid the, the ups and downs of or you know sugar highs and lows that stabilizes energy and if you also focus on I recommend vegetables more than fruits because fruits do have higher sugar contents yep and um, we'll get into that again later too yeah then yep. what you're doing is you're setting your body up now with fiber rich nutrient rich and we all know and, and our mums have told us for how long you know eat your veggies right yep because <laughs> they're good for you mums know best and and uh, there's absolutely uh, a huge amount of truth in that um we now it was discovered there's a whole host of reasons why they're good yep uh, you know, and we I can could... go into that as well but so yeah in the last part of that puzzle i think there's well, there's five wasn't there so it's five on? so then, and then you've got then you've got um your uh, so you eat the right type of fats every day okay yeah good fats yeah good yep, fats yep. and then the final one this is key as well is drink calorie free beverages whenever possible and that's probably, and that's probably the most important, important of all of the uh, yeah because we you know downing a half liter of coca-cola or powerade yeah. Or, um, you know, which is sold as a health drink. Goodness gracious, I don't know how they get away with it. Um, mm. That sort of thing can really upset your balance. You can have everything else right and just do that wrong, can't you, and, and end up tipping the scales, you know, against you. Oh, look, very much. And, and you know, you, you can your energy consumption is up to five-fold greater uh, from fluids than this from food. Mm. Right? So things like, even like fruit juices, though, because they, it's Absolutely. so easy to down half a litre of fruit juice, but yep. you wouldn't eat five oranges or... No, you know, So you, you, you're getting that sugar in a, in a single hit, too, as opposed to eating the whole fruit. Um, so that yeah. and it dumps it very quickly, just like a chocolate mori bar would, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. And fructose is also uh, not not overly favourable for your health, especially for your liver. And it is actually, indeed, why. And this is disturbing. As a as a dad of two young boys, you know, I, I does it does cause me grief when I look at what's going on with our children today and 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 yeah. their the rates of, of childhood obesity. Mm. And a lot of these children, as young as 18, 12 years of age, have fatty livers. They oh. have non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome. Wow. Yeah. And it's because they're drinking lots of soft drink, as common, but also fruit juice. Yeah. And, and thinking it's, it's healthy. Loaded, yeah, and, yeah. And it's loaded with fructose. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just, it, it's completely overloading the liver. It can't cope. And what it does is it converts that ex- excess fructose into fat and stores it and that that then affects liver function and that affects hormonal function and that creates more fat storage and it just it's a it's a it's vicious a cycle isn't it and and this is happening you know where whereas it's in the past it's been happening to you when you're 40 50 60 now it's happening to children 8 19 diabetes all of these yep. lifestyle diseases are hitting our kids That's right. yep. um and this is the horrific uh, yeah it is, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, let's let's um, yeah. So that's a really good outline, and people can actually go to um, listen to Doctor Nick's podcast, and he's he's mm. outlined the, this this particular strategy, and I think was number your, one of your podcast series, or number two, or somewhere. Uh, number two, that's right. I yeah. What's the name of your show and where people find it? So it's just while sure. we've got it. And we'll put uh, it in the so, show notes too. Yeah, the show. Great. The show is is called Food Fit with Dr. Nick. Um, and you can uh, find that on my website. That's at drnick.co.nz. Brilliant. Uh, it is also on iTunes. You can just search there, Food Fit with Dr. Nick. Uh, and also on Plains FM. So that's, that's where I do record the show. Plains FM have been yep, fantastic. Brilliant. And you can find it there. Yeah, because I think uh, people, you know, might want to delve into each of these things that we're going to, you know, skim across the top of today in this uh, in, in this interview, and then you'll be able to dive a little bit deeper in with Dr. Nick, and and of course, you know, um, reach out to Dr. Nick to people if you um, want to work with him. Um, but let's let's look at a couple of things that you know that are, that have caused me um, problems and and and. You know, I, I spend a lot of time researching and learning and listening to experts, and it really is uh, a, a minefield of contradictory information. You've got on the one hand the the, the governmental or the or the food industry rubbish that gets spewed out. Um, things like you know, Weetbix is good for you, Milo's good for you, and um, you know all the standards that are considered okay, and then you've got on the other hand, you know, people who are into paleo, people who are sworn yeah. to vegans, people who say like the bulletproof radio guy Dave Asprey, who we've uh, had an argument or not an argument about, but a discussion around the high fats, uh, yeah. the good fats, and and you know, so how does yeah. the average person? <laughs> Actually, go and not throw their hands up and go for crying out loud. I'm just going to eat that pie because so, you know, <laughs> I, uh, nobody can agree on anything. Um, no, that's right, and it is really hard. But there is some basic rules I think that we probably can agree on. Yeah, should look, we for start sure. there? Yeah, yeah so look, like, let, let, actually, let's do start there. Uh, absolutely, I think that there would it would be, I would be very um, amazed if there were there are many nutrition professionals and others in that in that whole health-related field who would argue with the notion that the fundamentals, the three fundamentals of, of any any good nutrition regime would be, number one, a low sugar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's, and and it's, it's obviously now becoming more and more um, evident that, that that's, that's so critical. Number two would be high fiber. Okay. So that's okay. non-disputed. Both of these that are non-disputed. Non-disputed. I mean, it doesn't matter what regime you're on. You know, whether you're on like, uh, you know, uh, one of the guys paleo. I follow a lot, Michael Greger, and the plant-based diet, yep. or whether you're paleo, or whether you're, um, you know, David Asprey, fiber is key. And and the other one that's undisputed is high micronutrients. Okay. So what does that mean? What that means is, and I actually, to be honest, Lisa, I think this is the big elephant in the room. Okay. Okay, here we that. all talk about carbs and fat and protein this and and we've got to you know work on our macros, but no one's going, hang on a moment. This is look over this is this massive elephant standing there that's that's got micronutrients written on it, which means your vitamins, your minerals and your phytochemicals. Okay. So this what what are phytochemicals? Phytochemicals are these uh, as the name implies they're basically phytoplant. So they're plant chemicals. These are the things that plants use to 
protect themselves and help and help them uh, remain viable, mm-hmm. if you like. Yep. And the great thing is when and so, for example, you know, you might have uh, berries that, uh, you know, that that develop that nice dark, rich color that the blueberry. Yeah, blueberries and. Yep. It protects itself from uh, the UV rays, from the damage from that from the hot sun, and it develops chemicals called, and there's a technical term, anthocyanins, which are a group of polyphenols. Yep. That that by by virtue of protecting the plant, when we ingest it, protect protects us. us. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. It's Brilliant. nature at its very best. It just gets passed down, you know, from one. You know, on the food one chain, plant to the, yeah, one one yeah. living organism to the next. Well, so, that's it. So this is so we, when we're saying micronutrients, we're saying the vitamin family, the mineral family, yeah. and the phytochemicals, and, the polyphenols. And the yeah, and, and so what I do is I look. I I'll be honest. I, I you know for some might consider I step out on a limb, but for me I think it's this is just what I've come to realise is is absolutely now essential for us is that in addition to having really healthy food, I I ensure that my my micronutrients are, are not just uh, you know giving me sufficient they're optimal. Yeah, so and then, I bring and the, I bring them up with it with additional supplementation. Yeah. Mm. Now let's talk briefly on the supplement argument because I mean I'm an aficionado or probably you know of supplements. I don't think our food supply as it is today with the pesticides, the herbicides, the depleted soils, the selenium deficiency in New Zealand soils, mm. the uh, processing of our foods, all of these things mean that 99% of us aren't getting what we need in our food nowadays and supplementations are uh, another minefield of of possible good and possible dangers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> certainly we, is. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I have heard of... of of you know being able to you know having too many supplements um, can be detrimental yes. as well. Uh, I'm probably one of those. I've, I take so many sometimes that you know there's more you, more supplements than food probably. You feel like a walking pharmacy. Yes, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> but at least they're all, well, I try to have natural. Try to. Yeah, that's right. And as a, as a lay person or somebody who's not an expert in um, you know the the making of supplements or in the science things, how do you tell a good supplement from a bad supplement? Yeah. I know, um, I know, and that, that is that's that's really uh, just adds to that whole overload, isn't it? Yeah. Of of what to do. But, but basic um, basic supplements yeah. that you would recommend as a general, like you know, someone who's not got any major health issues, but as a New Zealander. Yeah. What would you say is yeah, generally sure. lacking in our diet? Well, and just before I go there, can I also add? I mean, you you you're right. You know, there's there's a whole lot of things. There's there's issues around soil and our food, but let's also not forget that today we are stressed more than ever. Oh gosh, yes. Right. Yep. Oh my goodness. Now that that causes an increased need for nutrient intake. Mm-hmm. We are and we are surrounded by a hazardous environment. Mm-hmm. You know, it just just the air we breathe. Oh, toxins, toxins everywhere. And, and, and all sorts and and so today in today's world we are just bombarded with so much more than than we were even a few decades ago mm. so our grandparents weren't having these issues were they they weren't no the, 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 you no. know in my last episode with dr Lindsay Berkson was all about it's, you know that the hormone imbalances coming from yes. the toxic environment disruptors and yeah, yeah endocrine disruptors all of that sort of jazz absolutely um, so so anyway, so sorry, I, so what, what we need to consider, I think, first and foremost is, 
is what you are consuming. And by the way, when I first uh, started to, to look into this, I was kind of horrified at it, it, my, my mindset was, well, I'll just go and grab whatever I can. If it's if it's low cost, surely that's the best. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? And I want to emphasize to listeners out there that is absolutely not the case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good value doesn't mean low cost. Yeah. Okay. Good value means this. It means it's contaminant free. Uh, and it's it's made using good manufacturing processes, GMP, or importantly, I think this is absolutely fundamental it's pharmaceutically graded pharmaceutically graded okay that's so that's something that we can all maybe look yep. out for. i suppose it doesn't say that on the label pharmaceutically no, graded but no it doesn't and and not many are going to really disclose that because here's the reality that a majority of supplements sitting on the shelf today out there are a food grade food grade which means they can put anything in anything and call it Correct. anything <laughs> And, and hey, look, you know, without offending any of those those companies out there, obviously we won't name them. And and look, oh. you know, there are some a lot of really good products. Let's also say that. Yeah. Uh, that that there are, um, you know, there are some food grade products that do do things very well. Mm. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. And so you just have to start. You just have to ask questions about, hey, how is this manufactured? Yeah, and you is know? it synthetic? Because there's an argument between synthetics and then natural. Well, yes, there is, but that argument is not always what you would think because you know you you, you always think natural's best, but yeah. this word natural uh, is actually, I believe, very misleading. Okay. okay. In in nutrition across the board, because manufacturers play on that consumer naivety. You know, they mm, put it all mm. over their labels. This is natural, but you know, a lot of natural things will kill you. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, natural mushrooms are not always what you want. <laughs> no. We won't go any more further no. than that. But, you know, so, for example, a good a good one would be folate. You know, a, a synthetically yeah. derived folate has actually more effectively absorbed, and then in your body, than a a natural, so to speak. So, some synthetic d derived nutrients are actually more effective for you. Wow. Okay. Because yeah. so and, you're talking about because yeah, you know, I've had the I've been learning about a little bit about folic acid and and you know because it's recommended for or the likes of uh, women wanting to get pregnant or people with yes. hormone troubles. Um, and I've been told, actually, folic acid isn't the right one and it's folate that we need. Is that correct? Yeah. It's the right form. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so we're actually so being, you know, you, marketed you, this folic acid that's a synthetic because yeah. someone can patent yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, you know, Lisa, there's some very clever scientists out there now who have actually discovered that, that the, the form of a nutrient, say, for example, vitamin C, Yep. You know, it's ascorbic acid. If you if you put that in a, um, if you chemically uh, alter that slightly and change its the, the the form that it's found, it actually is absorbed more effectively into the bloodstream. It does exactly the same thing. It's it's exactly what you would get from eating fruit, but it just enhances its uptake. Wow. And in fact, that's the key key piece is absorption. And. Okay. Uh, I Spoke to a nurse once who said to me that um, they've seen inside on an X-ray in someone's intestine a whole supplement sitting there, yep. completely unabsorbed. <laughs> and this is the argument that people say: Well, you've just got expensive wee, or you've uh, yeah. you've just wasted your money. Uh, yeah. you, you know, and, I mean, yeah. oh, I know in my body that you know when I didn't take supplements, um, I was worse off than when I do take 
the right supplements mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the difference, um, and, and you know, yes. I think that absorption thing. Can I just ask you a question about because I've been learning about parietal cells and the importance of hydrochloric acid and the fact mm-hmm. that. So if we're not digesting all this good stuff that we're even, you know, we're, we're eating well and we're, we're putting the good supplements and the good stuff in, but our body's not, our stomach isn't functioning well, our microbiome isn't doing what it should, yes. the parietal cells are not actually breaking it down and um, putting that good acid, enough of that good acid out, is that... Um, I've heard that that's quite a common uh, problem, and people are then grouping to or grabbing to things like low sec or um, over-the-counter gaviscons and that type of stuff, which actually is the exact opposite of what your stomach needs. It needs more acid, not less. Yes. In general, uh, there's there's always a, there's, there is cases where they they produce too much stomach acid, but as a as a um, more often than not, shall we put it that way. Uh, the parietal cells aren't producing enough acid. Is that correct? That that's correct. And and this yes. Now this this actually happens uh, a lot in in older individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so one of the issues uh, of uh, particularly around B12 deficiency for uh, for the um, the aged, where it's called um, gastric atrophy, mm-hmm. and and in their stomach the uh, the cells start to essentially. You know, degenerate as unfortunately our bodies do over time. <laughs> so, yeah, we're so, trying to slow it down. So we're into anything anti-aging on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, we are. We are. You know, and and uh, I think it's it is it is possible to definitely start to work work ourselves in a in a, in a or feed ourselves, I should say, nourish them in a way that they don't degenerate. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, in a in a as rapid yeah. decline as quickly. So this acid is important, and and, and as as we age, the acid co- content does start to decline. You do need that for a proper um, digestion, and as I, as I mentioned, you need an intrinsic factor for absorbing B12, and that works in synergy with folate we mentioned before for cell replication and reproduction and and so that's just one of the things that can start to affect uh, the, you know those in their latter years mm, okay and, so mm. by, by taking um an hcl betaine supplement with pepsin or something is that something that they should you it's, know older people should do or people who have digestive problems or should that should that be under the control of you know likes of you a nutritionist or a, or a yeah. doctor Definitely under control of of, a, of an appropriate medical um, practitioner. Um, it wouldn't be my my scope of expertise. I don't work clinically in, yep. in that yep. sort of sense, but certainly you'd need you need a, uh, guidance on that one for sure, and yep. uh, yep. to make sure that you're, you know, you, you you've got the the right um, dosaging and and that it is actually an appropriate thing to do. Yeah, because it's a bit hard because you know you go to your local doctor and they're going to go, oh no, have a low sick, which does the opposite of what you actually need it to do. Correct. Um, they're not always aware of you know, uh, these sort of things. So, I mean, oh, okay. I've been experimenting oh. with that particular supplement just myself the last couple of weeks, just trying yeah. to see whether I can increase the absorption of, of the nutrients that I'm taking in um, and doing it in, in a way that, uh, you know, I'm taking one tablet with each meal um, and if I don't get any disturbances, digestive disturbances, then, you know, I know after a few days I can I can up the dosage. Um, so there's, you know, there's ways of, of, yes. of doing things. But... I think that is a, a common, you know, we can eat all the good stuff, but if it's not getting in, so our microbiome, if, if we yeah. go away from parietal cells and, and, and hydrochloric acid, but maybe look at how do we optimize our microbiome in general? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm thinking now of the, um, 
uh, I must say your recent podcast there with Dr. Lindsay Berkson yep, uh, yep. was just outstanding. And, yeah. you know, she I'm talked worried. about the importance of gut health mm. and, and, and that the gut is actually, well, it's a primitive brain, you know, so it, it actually originates from the same cells that your brain tissue does. Yeah, as, a, as an embryo, yeah. half of it yeah. went to your brain and half of that went to your stomach cell. That's really that, that's, interesting. You know, and it kind of uh, then makes makes sense of that term, oh, I've got a gut feeling about something. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a second brain, you know. Um, but but really, the, the gut's so, so vital because without without that uh, functioning correctly, without those cells uh, being able to absorb, and importantly, having those tight junctions so it's not leaking anything as well, yeah. uh, it is actually able to take up the nutrients. And, well, there's so much going on in the gut, you know, um, as well in terms of the, the whole, you've got to break things down. Uh, so you've got to get the whole digestive juice situation right, those pancreatic enzymes, and then you've got to get it across the gut. And then, uh, you know, you've got to then absorb it, uh, get into the bloodstream, and that liver, as we talked about before, has to, uh, you know, filter things correctly and pull out what it needs. And if that's not functioning, then things go astray as well. Uh, wow. And and then you start to impose other stresses like exercise, as, as you're well aware of, Lisa, and that yeah. causes all sorts of other issues. And I can just can I just say here that, um, one of the things I'm, I guess I'm not too surprised that you're, you're, you're struggling right now yeah. with gut health because yep. what I know is this, that ultra-endurance exercises, it is very common to suffer from gut issues, particularly leaky gut. Ah. Yeah. Why is gut that? Stress. That's a really good question. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, I, um, you know, just for the listeners out there struggling, yeah. I've um, done some damage to my, uh, would appear to my kidneys and liver from the running um, through having, you know, rhabdomyolysis a hundred times. And um, so I am looking into that whole gut microbiome. How can I repair my kidneys, my liver, that whole filtering system, that detox pathways? Because... It has knock-on effects, doesn't it, on your hormones, on everything, your whole health, basically, your hypothyroidism. All of these things start to, they start to knock one after the other starts to, to go. Um, yeah. And, and endurance athletes, so why is it that endurance athletes have often have a leaky gut? Yeah, well, look, I, uh, there's, again, this could be one of those um, why do we have a headache questions. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> where, where do we? <laughs> That's alright. You got, uh, got to ask these questions, though. I mean, where, so where do we start? Well, uh, firstly, you. I mean, I know personally, as as having done a lot of endurance work myself, uh, mainly cycling and uh, uh, mountain biking, is that you you're pouring in lots of um, certainly when you're exercising, lots of sugar, lots of glucose and. Uh, it's actually one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of gels, for example. No, me neither. I hate them. Yeah, these concentrated, oh. it's like a shotgun. It's like you're taking a shotgun and blasting your intestine. Right? I've seen so many runners, you know, like in myself, just, it's cost me almost, you yeah. know, a number of races. Yeah. Just vomiting and, and things. Yes. The, the terrible news, Gels. Yep, I totally agree, yeah. um, for sure. So um, they... These these types of products and even just even even like concentrated sports drinks are, are just stressing the gut. There's a lot of a lot of sugar in there, and the gut's working over time to to better absorb all that. Uh, you couple that with just the fact that you're, you know, you're when you're running, your your body Jiggling. temperature's 
be moving around this this stress hormones this you know running and and essentially the the, the body is is under huge stress and that's the, the guts will will uh you know will take the blunt i guess of of that stress over time because you, you do see a lot of um ultra endurance athletes i mean it's one of the biggest reasons why an ultra athlete won't get to the finish line even though they are trained is because their guts blows out on them and they end up vomiting and then you know hyperglycemia um and all of those sort of horrible digestive upsets dysentery you name it it happens to you when you're running um and yeah is is, that's just a stress reaction from the body look yeah exactly what's going on again i i don't know for sure Uh, you know we can throw around some ideas i I suspect that it's that it is it is a um, prolonged period of just a lot of glucose overload is a key factor yep, yep. Uh, and potentially some other dietary factors I, I don't really know for sure but i have worked with quite a number of of uh endurance athletes triathletes who who cannot tolerate fructose for yep. example okay they just I yeah can't. yeah 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 and, and and so again it probably doesn't surprise me given your background given the amount of you know just that really long ultra endurance work and the, so the gut just starts to just suffer uh, in terms of its ability to tolerate and absorb, and so that's why I I use now myself a really low fructose sports drink, and mm-hmm. I recommend that for everyone, not just for those who are intolerant, uh, because the more that we can keep our fructose uh, at you know to to lower levels, I think the better the better yeah, is. I I actually with my athletes that we train um, recommend just having electrolytes in their water. And actually yeah. eating their food, um, it is difficult to get enough calories in. But any of those high energy, uh, you know, PRA yeah. that type of thing can just causes, especially when you're doing ultras over a number of days. You know, yes. Um, yes. You, you you've got to treat yourself like an invalid. Your stomach's like an invalid. It's got to have very easy to digest. We're nat- you know natural where possible, um, and not big doses of of of, of fructose or sucrose um yeah. and keeping away from all those nasty chemicals as well so we 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 recommend like uh, you know putting the electrolyte drops or uh even yes. electrolyte tablets to make sure you're getting your minerals and your your electrolyte balance right but not not um high calorie drinks per se generally yeah a little so bit that's okay thing. I think I think that, that there's certainly some merit, but I, I should just add there, we you might want to consider the, um, and this is something which, you know, does require a bit of specialised knowledge around around gut absorption. But uh, glucose is actually quite useful for helping electrolyte absorption, particularly ah. sodium. Okay. Yeah. So so they're co-transported. So you do need, in other words, you need a little bit of sugar in order for that electrolyte yeah. to actually get in that, there. So that's why you that's, recommend that's a low correct. fructose that's it. electrolyte drink. That's right. So some glucose mm. is definitely beneficial uh, to help, uh, certainly sodium uptake. Okay. Uh, and then you've got, you, it certainly you, you want to be having magnesium in there and uh, or not too much because, of course, that upsets yeah, that. Yeah. a lot of gut issues. Be off in the toilet too often. Oh, yeah, I've heard the, plenty <laughs> of those stories. Yeah, plenty <laughs> of those. Quick rush to the portaloo yeah. before before the race starts. Like a bush. Yeah, that's it. Um, and uh, and then your potassium um, levels need to be reasonable. And um, but it's mainly sodium that that's important, and, and certainly in your plasma. 
And I have um, seen in, in you know myself and other you know when we're doing it, talking extremes here and hot climates that yeah. potassium can be really really dangerous when that gets too low and you have tetany seizures and that's something that I've struggled on and off with um, keeping the potassium regulated um, yep. in the body. So yeah. It, it depends it, on the yeah the perfect storm again. If you're in heat as well as extreme endurance, you know, uh, and dehydration and all the rest of the good stuff, that's when you end up with with the troubles. Yes, yeah. Look, I know some of the things that you've uh, been able to accomplish. It really is quite just um, extraordinary. <laughs> At a uh, cost, though, Doctor Nick. Yeah, well, <laughs> which I'm digging think, out now. <laughs> I think it just highlights, though, how remarkable the body is, isn't it, to be yeah. able to actually cope in those environments when there's so much that's that's beating you down. Well, I think uh, you know what. What's interesting, if I look back over my career, just for two seconds, if uh, people would mm-hmm. um, allow me. Um, it's the the my mind has been stronger than my body, you know, and so you can actually, you know, and I'm all about mindset and persistence and overcoming obstacles and stuff. But you can actually kill yourself with a strong mind, um, mm. if you completely ignore your body, uh, and, and and it's screaming at you, you know, um, to and you you override that too. To the point of nearly killing yourself, and you know this isn't just mm. me. This is other ultra marathon runners. That sometimes we push ourselves that inch too far, and we can end up with with damage. You know, I'm all for strength of character. I'm all for building mental toughness. You know, I mean, I teach this stuff, but yep. <laughs> don't kill yourself on the way, especially for a race, because it isn't worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I can can I also add that uh, with with fluids. The particularly in the long long endurance events, uh, what I found in my master's work uh, was, in fact, this, it was great for our research, but unfortunately not so good for our participants. Because we we had we had twenty athletes, uh, they're twelve male, eight female, and mm-hmm. of the eight females, four developed a condition called hypernatremia. Oh yes, had that often. Be, yep. Yes, you'd be familiar with that. So yeah, that's yeah, listeners, yeah. that's low body sodium. So that's that's where. You, you can this this can be caused through dehydration. So mm-hmm. that's where your 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 sweat rate's high and you're losing a lot of sodium. But what we found is that it's more commonly in an Ironman and ultra endurance work. It's through excessive water intake. Yes. Yep. And, yeah. And and you you essentially dilute your your plasma. You lower your sodium as a result, and that is actually fatal. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you can be <laughs> hospitalized, and yeah. Yeah. You can, yeah, yeah, and that's something that I do warn people about when we're training, yeah. you know, and to watch the, the body for signs that fluid is building up. Um, yeah. Uh, and hypernatremia is killing probably more more people than, than dehydration. Yeah. yeah, well, that's right. So what I love is that, you, you know, you're using your electrolytes in the water. Absolutely fundamental that, you know, you've got to have the electrolytes there. Yep. That the glucose yep. is, I think, has some benefits as well, mm-hmm. but, but definitely avoid water only. Oh, yeah, yeah, as in, yeah, not not having yeah. the right, because you, so you're talking about getting it into the cells as quickly as possible and the uptake of that, and yes, well, I did know that, that you need to have yeah. a certain amount of, of, um, of, the, of the sugars to get it into the, the body quickly. Yeah, well, that's right, and, and so, you know, everyone thinks, well, you know, it comes back to that natural argument, doesn't it? Well, water's natural, and so isn't that, shouldn't that be best? And actually, it, it, it's not. It's a, Not it's when it's diluting. No, not when, no, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's great when we're at rest and we're, you know, we need to drink 
two and a half to three litres a day through both fluid and food. But, uh, you know, when it comes to, to endurance work, it's it can be highly detrimental. And as we discovered, yeah, of course, of course uh, our, our athletes, well, half of them and half the females, uh, significant uh, health concerns. And we and why it affects just a final bit of, for females more than males is females have less sweat glands uh-huh. and so retain fluids more. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. Yep. So, so that's just one to be aware of too. Yeah, because I mean, I've had races where my hands have been the size of an elephant. They've just, you know, mm. um, and mm. the build up around the gut. Um, and then you add that, you know, a bit of rhabdomyolysis in there, and you've got mm. a, you know, a recipe for for major trouble. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> there's some dangers, you know. Like you do need to do these approach these things sensibly and with knowledge. Um, yes. You know, uh, and I, yep. you know, certainly didn't in the early days and nobody told you and nobody knew uh, a mm. lot of the dangers. And now we can push our bodies to the nth degree and, and hopefully do it in a in a way that's not going to affect us um, permanently. But, yes, a yep. woman um, – so going back to your PhD work uh, and, 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 and fats and burning of fats for fuel. Now, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a school of thought around – High good fat intake is, you know, your bases your diet, uh, the ketogenic diet, the bulletproof diet, um, athletes who, you know, trying to switch their fuel burning systems to fat. I haven't tried it myself because I like my food too much, but um, yeah. what do you think about that? You know, you've, you've studied fat yeah. uh, for energy. How, is yeah. that an effective way to, to, you know, stop this highs and lows that you get when you're on a carbohydrate predominant well, diet? This is a really interesting one, you know, and there's, there's so many different schools of thought. And, and so I've, part of my, uh, well, during my PhD work, I actually conducted some research with, uh, believe it or not, uh, Professor Louise Burke. So there you go, that, wow, you know, the wow. little story at the start. We, we, we've come full circle now. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah which, was, which was pretty amazing. So uh, we did some work uh, looking at fat adaptation followed by carbohydrate restoration. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in well-trained cyclists so that we, we had a five-day period of of fat adapting and uh, remarkably and this is this is Louise Burke's handiwork uh, we actually managed to have a essentially a, a, a placebo controlled trial where, where we we masked whether the the um, the individuals were on a high carb or high fat during that that adaptation phase wow, how would you do and, that and you can you can do it it's it's tough, but you can you use you have to use things like shakes. Yeah. Where you know so in there that you can put lots of fatty creams in that, and that sort of, but you can then put some sweeteners in, and you don't really realise you're getting a lot of fat when you are. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's a few tricks, but um, basically the key points with this that that when you fat adapt, you and remarkably in five days you can you can increase your ability to fat burn uh, substantially if you're well trained. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. That's a key point. The average individual out there, it'll take longer than five days. So that's getting into a ketogenic state, is that correct? That is. Yep. Right. That is that is markedly uh, that's right. That's where fats become the predominant fuel source. Uh-huh. There'll be there'll be ketoacidosis, ketones levels will rise and uh, and and I've had a little play with this and it's I found it to be quite unpleasant personally. Yeah, horrible, but, yeah. And, and many of our athletes did. But there are some who went really well. Mm. And so what we did was this. We then, on day six, we got them in and we fed them high carbohydrate. 
Um, so we, on the basis that, you know, you've got this, this potentially the magic bullet, you've got fat burning and then you bring your carbohydrates in, which give you, gives you what's, what's called high muscle glycogen, yep. which is, we know really important for, for helping you to go, go to, to, yeah, to, to work at a harder rate for longer, yep. right? To up your intensity and go faster, be stronger. Uh, and then day seven was, you know, do your event, do the, the, the ride in the lab. And what we found was that overall, it, there was no difference between the two groups, between you know, the carb loading, standard carb approach, or the fat adapting. No difference. No difference. However, here's the key thing. There was huge variation. Ah. So it's very via- individual. Yeah, very individual. So, of course, next question is, well, how can you then run, how can you screen someone? What is a simple way you can go, yep, you're a fat adapter. No, you're not. Mm. Yep, you're in, you're out type of deal. And, well, as best of, to my knowledge, there's there's nothing, there's no one simple test to say, hey, are you going to be uh, suitable? So what it highlights is humans are, are highly variable. Yeah. We, we know that, you know, they, every one of us is incredibly unique. And that's, you know, every aspect, our, our gut, our hormone system, our, our skeletal muscle. And, and so some some just will work better on things like these ketogenic diets and these high-fat diets, and, and some will not. So, yeah, because that's the, you know, we, we had this discussion around the bulletproof diet and the ketogenic yeah. diet, and, you know, but when people are saying this is for everyone, everyone should be on it, you're saying actually in my studies, and you've done yeah. a PhD in it, um, that's correct for some and not for others. And so well, don't, don't blanket, so you really need to... Yeah dig down I, on what type of person you are i i, I think so and I'm, I'm really my research is focused more on that endurance exercise so it's very you can't really translate that so much to someone who's just having a you know an ongoing high fat diet yep so we have to be careful about making that leap of yes. um, faith here but essentially yeah look my my take is that it for some and you know there's 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 lots of you know, examples like, for example, uh, Alzheimer's. Um, yeah, and, high and, fats and, is recommended. Epile- mm. Epilepsy as well, mm. where neurological for, brain, for neurological brain disorders, the individuals seem to respond very well to having a really low-carb, high-fat diet. Yeah. Um, brilliant. But, you know, not everyone is is in that situation and not everyone will respond uh, that well or that way. So... I think that you've got to be careful, you know, and then there are some who have actually gone to the extreme with their, with lowering carbohydrate, and uh, unfortunately uh, that's that's caused, uh, you know, premature death. Um, it's oh, caused fatalities. Wow. Yeah. Low, and, and, too low a carb. Y- yes. So when you are in a state of, of using, you know, ketosis, your body is, is, is has high acid levels. Ah. You're in acidosis. So... That's not great in terms of your pH, and uh, you know over time your your body will adapt to that and cope with it. But but for some that that just it depends on how how severe they do it, they may not be able to cope. And uh, you know in those early you know early few, first few weeks. Wow. So yeah, it's a, got, yeah, yeah, part of the adaptation it can be process. Dangerous. So you've got to just approach it in a in a way that you maybe you're getting some guidance on that. What about like mucking around with your diet all the time? You know, like, I mean, I know as a young girl and I was, you know, um, 
a gymnast and, and told I had to lose weight constantly and had huge issues uh, with my self-esteem and I would starve myself and, you know, um, anorexia and then mm. uh, bulimia and then, you know, all of these things, that, you know, around the 12, 13, that puberty age group. Um, yeah. That was – and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I stuffed up my metabolism because I slowed everything down. The body yeah. went, oh, I'm in danger. I've got to hold on to everything. Yeah, look, it's you hear about this. Oh, you know, um, if you if you do a lot of different types of of dietary interventions, uh, you you know, you're going to ruin your metabolism and you'll never be the same. I, I'm quite sure if it's if it's that extreme. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, obviously recovered since, but that's right. It, it does um, have it for uh, you know, like you do, you know, yo-yo dieting. People who you know yes. they lose weight and then the metabolism slows down because of the weight loss because you're not getting enough nutrients and then you put more weight on than you you know started with so you know what's your take on the intermittent fasting thing? yes that's that's interesting as well i have actually written an article on this one yeah uh, lisa that's that's on my that. website yeah yeah that you can find that um uh, at Nick.co.nz um uh, under media I've got a, an article there in New Zealand Fitness, but uh, you know, again, it comes back to this this notion. Some people, like um, I think it was the doctor, uh, was it Michael Mosley, who who came out with the one form. There's a whole, there's a lot of different forms of intermittent fasting. Mm. Okay, so you know, some are, some have uh, literally just days without without eating and then and then you resume normal or a common one is where you you basically have a a breakfast fast yeah don't don't eat till four in the afternoon or something like that and it was usually sort of maybe start about midday but yeah. a bit a bit earlier yep so then you and then and then so we all here's the thing we all fast overnight mm. so yeah we're all intermittent fasting to some extent um but th this is just taking it a bit further you know, the bottom line is that for some it can be effective and, and then, you know, there's the, there's the school of thought of, well, in terms of longevity, if you reduce energy intake, it's been shown that that can enhance lifespan, certainly in, in animal models, but uh, I don't know how well that translates to humans. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a bit questionable. Um, so we, and we don't have the human data. I, mean, I don't know how you run that study. No. <laughs> it's a bit hard. Yeah, but um, I think the... You know, the other question is, well, ultimately what you're doing is you are you are hacking, if you will, your energy balance yeah. equation. It's a, it's a it's a, a weight management hack, let's face it. You, so what you're doing is you're, you're, you're creating a way that you can lower intake versus expenditure. Now, my preferred approach in terms of if you use the, the, the hacking analogy is, well, let's let's look at using exercise and let's raise our energy expenditure with our exercise and let's keep our intake moderate and we're still creating a deficit. Mm -hmm. You with me? So, ultimately, you're still essentially what you might call uncoupling. That's another term that's a bit technical, but it means just pulling apart expenditure and intake. You're pulling those two apart, and that gives you the the, the weight management or sorry the you know the weight loss results that you're after. Yeah, but that yeah. calorie in, calorie out, like I said, you know, like with that run through New Zealand, that really, oh. that calorie in, out, you know, energy yep. expenditure, deficit in, uh, yep. in calorie intake doesn't work. No, uh, well, exactly. But he, and here's the key thing, you know, and I'm sure there's listeners who have who've used intermittent fasting and some are, some are able to tolerate it, but the majority of people out there, when they start to fast, 
and this is really why I'm not I'm, I'm not an advocate yeah, overall yeah. for fasting because of just as a whole host of things. But um, the, the key thing is most just cannot tolerate that that the the challenges and the difficulty in, in not eating and and over time that just gets the better of them. So the dam bursts and they have a feeding frenzy. And yeah. Then it's, you know, and they're worse off. That's 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 one reason why I won't do it because I know that I won't be able to control myself afterwards, and then I'll go stupid. Yeah. Um, so it's better. So I, I I agree with you on the on the snacking and five to six little meals a day type. Keep your yeah. blood sugars at a very you know, and yeah, like you say, there are other people who can and have that discipline perhaps or yes. have that um, yes. that ability to be able to control. But if you don't, that's a good way of. Because it's it's really about stopping those sugar spikes and drops. That's yes. probably something that every nutritionist can agree on. When you're having those uh, high, you know, sugar uptakes, and then you know the insulin drops you down, and and um, all of that sort of drama going on, and then you're having the lows, so then you eat more. Um, that's to be avoided, and that's so when you're pl- playing around with intermittent fasting, unless you're one of those really disciplined super, which I'm not. Uh, yes. <laughs> probably better to stay away from it and go, yeah, having the snacks and having the, the good snacks ready. Well, and you're a big proponent of planning, aren't you, which I'm yes. very lazy at, I must admit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And just the final piece there is, you know, not only do you have to contend with the, the, the hunger pains, and, and personally, I mean, I, I love food. So the, mm. the, thought, the thought of starving my body just is is very, very unpleasant. Yeah. I kind of couldn't think of anything worse, to be honest. <laughs> Me too. I love it too much. <laughs> just, yeah. But the other interesting uh, piece is that when, when you resume eating, you know, even despite your best efforts to just have, a, a, you know, a moderate amount of food, not not overboard, you know, just, just do what you, you might otherwise do, you, you just cannot control the body's urge to want to overeat. Yeah. And, and so what happens is people undertake, they, they, they fast, and then they, they attempt to keep their food in control, but they don't, they overeat, and then before long, they just, they're back to square one. Yeah, and then you're yo-yoing your, your um, metabolism as well, probably on that on the back of that, yes. where the body's yeah. going, I don't know whether I'm getting it or not getting it, and it's all it. over the show. And one thing, you know, and, and another thing from ultramarathon running and doing these extreme, and also being on expeditions for weeks with lack of food, um, when you don't have a, enough nourishment, then you know you you do get out of control when you do have that again, yeah. Um, yeah. and it can have some long-reaching and, and permanent problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I just you know we want to um, want to wrap up here, you know, yeah. and I know we've covered a hell of a lot of ground, and people might be coming yes. out and going, well, what the hell did I? Uh, you know, <laughs> give me some general guidelines here. Of all um, go back to basics. Say, you know, give me the top five or six things that you would say people do this, regardless of whatever you follow, do this. Yeah, look, um, I, what, what's, that's really interesting one to finish on. And it's actually, uh, it's similar to a question I had from um, someone once, uh, a client who we just it was a and a session and, and the first thing they asked me was well how do I eat <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the big question yeah you know so perhaps if I can just sort of go through those that what my answer there and then that'll that'll just nicely summarize I think the number one thing for um, how to really start a journey anywhere and Lisa you're you're you know the, the epitome of this is is that vision 
and understanding where you want to go. Yep. You know, having you go. Having a go, no different with food. You know, in psychology, is a huge part of food. We haven't even touched on today, but that's that's uh, you know eighty percent. Next episode. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Right, soul psychology mainly. Um, so, so then number two would be uh, having a uh, essentially a, a platform to to work from, or if you like, this analogy might work is is a certain lens that you look out with, certain glasses that you put on, and that lens would be I recommend looking at the, some key principles, the principles of exercise being a driver for how you eat, you must consider the type of activity you do with your nutrition. Yep. And if you don't, then then this can start to throw things whoa, way out of, of sync. Uh, and along with that, those those things we talked about before, the timing of your food, the, the type of food, and the, um, the lastly, the amount. You do have to consider the quantity at some yep. point. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the, the next thing, uh, the third thing would be is is have some sort of structure. Find yourself a framework and a structure and a and some sort of, if, if you will, like a roadmap. You know, where, where how is it that you're going to, what what path you're going to travel down? And, you know, there's a there's 101, you know, different options, of course, out there. There's a plethora of diets. I mean, I've got my own system, as I mentioned. Yep. Which I think is pretty pretty good i've had some amazing results yep uh i'm not going to suggest here to the listeners it's the only way not not at all there's no. plenty of other good options yep there's uh, many ways to skin a cat but there are find something that works for you is the key the fourth piece is uh you mentioned it before i am a fan of planning yeah okay you've got to be if if you're not prepared and planning food in advance in my mind you're you're basically like like it like a duck and here in Christchurch would say you're like a duck in the avon right yep. your legs are going furiously underwater but you're getting nowhere yeah so you're you're blind <laughs> in the wind and what you yeah. fancy is today exactly yep. that's it and the final piece and i know that you've you've come to fully appreciate this and myself also is have a mentor yeah you've Definitely. got to have a mentor a coach someone that's trodden the path before you to work with I've boxed away by myself for many years, and then uh, even just recently, I, I worked with a personal trainer. Yep. Um, a young guy, Tyler, um, Tyler Hamilton here in um, uh, Tyler McKendry, I should say, sorry, uh, here in Christchurch. Yep. Brilliant trainer, and wow, did I learn a lot about how to how to really work my body. Even though you're an exercise scientist. Even yeah. though yeah. an exercise yeah. science, yeah. you know, sports science, all that. Yep. And I never thought I needed a personal trainer, but I tell you what, I'm a huge fan. And I think we all need to step outside ourselves. This is the thing. Even if we have the knowledge, it's stepping outside yourself and someone having a different perspective on where you're at. And I have mentors yes. in heaps of different parts of yes. my life. And, and Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you're constantly a student. You're constantly learning. And you yep. just get a better bang for your buck in the end if you're learning off people who've yep. been there, done that. That's it. That's it. You know. So I mean. So that and that's why I love. I love to help and mentor others. So if anyone uh, out there wants uh, some coaching around the nutrition, um, love to be able to help. And uh, yep, I yep. do specialise. You know, working more with with male individuals, um, with those with athletes. That's one of my really key areas of expertise. Mm -hmm. Sports mm -hmm. nutrition. And um, yeah, I work uh, work remotely too, so I can we can just oh, yeah, like we are now on Skype. Yeah, the wonders of technology. It's great now that you can have Brilliant. these coaches. So, go to um, your doctor, um, Doctor Nick. So, what is your website again? 
It's drnick.co.nz. Yep. And your your uh, podcast again? Podcast is Food Fit with Dr. Nick. Yep. And we'll link to a couple of those in the, in the show notes. Um, yes. So thank you so much to, uh, for all this time and all this in-depth knowledge, Dr. Nick. It's been fantastic having you on the show. I hope <laughs> I can talk you into doing another session, you know, in a few months' time and maybe going in-depth into one or two areas. Um, but you've heard it here today. There's some real basic things. It doesn't matter whether you're paleo, vegan, whatever you adhere to. There's some general principles that we've heard today that can help us all. And then we've also yes. gone and, and dived a little bit deeper for, for the likes of athletes and, and things who want to know a bit more. So thanks very much, Dr. Nick. Any last words of wisdom for the... Oh, um, Lisa, it's been absolute pleasure, you know, to connect with someone like yourself, like, uh, as I say, huge respect for who you are, what you're doing, and, and, and how you now are serving the community with what you do. I have huge admiration Thank for you. that. Thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoy learning yeah. and then sharing and having wonderful yes. people to, you know, to learn from. Um, yeah. You know, and there is a selfish um, background to these podcasts. I have the most wonderful people. I get access to the, the best people in the world. Uh, and, yeah. um, you know, that's got to be beneficial for me and for everyone listening. Yes. Well, just on that, uh, for, for listeners, I am going to be interviewing – uh, yourself there, Lisa. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> coming up. Yes, so I, I reiterate your words 100%. That's why I love uh, to have a podcast and, and have amazing people like yourself on. In fact, you'll be my very first guest, which yeah, I'm incredibly honest. humbled by. Um, <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> it's, nah, it's I'm a big neat. fan. Uh, and so that's going to be exciting. But to um, yeah, thanks again. It's been a pleasure. The path of an athlete that I just launched recently. This is all about how to develop mental strength, resilience and tenacity, learning how to overcome the barriers to reaching your full potential and stop those limiting beliefs that have held you back. Whether it be in your personal life, your career or in your sporting goals, you can control the outcome of your life. For more information, please go to www.lisatamati.co.nz forward slash ecourse. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz.